3: Welcome in podcast listeners. I want to thank you guys. We have already set an all-time download and listens record for the outkick podcast in August still has a week left to go. So thank you guys for listening and sharing the stories and the shows, I'd request that you guys go give us five stars. Danny G's reading out some of the five-star reviews today. I hope you're going to uh, be given, be willing to give the time to drop a five-star review. If we read it, you get an autographed copy of the book. We've got a fun show for you in hour one. My guy Lance Taylor, 94.5 Jocks in Birmingham, talking about college football coming back. And then we'll talk with Petros Papadakis more about college football. We'll also be discussing everything uh, in the world of sports and why there's so much reason for optimism, all that headed your direction. It's live 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, but you get the podcast and it begins now. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio
2: app by searching FSR.
0: Now let's get this party started.
2: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio.
3: Last night's games, not a lot of, I would say, uh, spice or excitement, except that we basically have the Bucks and the Lakers both rebounding from Poor performances in game one to win three straight, the number one overall seeds. Uh, and so both of those teams, I think, based on what we saw last night, uh, it would be surprising if those series went more than five games. So I suspect uh, that by, let's see, Friday morning? Am I doing that? No, Wednesday, Thursday morning. By Thursday morning, I think both the Bucks and the Lakers will have advanced to the next round of the NBA playoffs. I know we've got a series... Underway credit the Oklahoma City Thunder for winning back-to-back games after going down 0-2. That is an uh, intriguing series to see what's going to happen there. And then after a lot of days of four, uh, four games in a row in the NBA, we're down to two games tonight. Uh, the Jazz are trying to close out the Nuggets in game five. And then really I think the series that is the only one that is going to have potentially some lasting impact the Clippers try to bounce back after a uh, devastating defeat at the hands of Luka Doncic on Sunday uh, with a uh, with an evening game, uh, potentially pivotal, Game 5 between the Mavs and the Clippers in Game 5 tonight. So uh, that is where we are in uh, the NBA. I'm sure we'll get an update from uh, Eddie Garcia. We just heard from him. we will hear from him a little bit later in this hour about the latest in the NHL. But I wanted to start off with uh, what I think is pretty sound positivity here uh, as you look at uh, the trajectory that we're headed on for the return of the NFL and college football. And I don't know how many people will talk about this, but I think this is pretty incredible. From August 12th to August 20th, over 58,000 tests were conducted of NFL players, and there wasn't a single positive. So there were, and by the way, we're down to, I believe the number is three total players that are on the coronavirus list still trying to get better and test negative to be able to join their teammates back in training camp. But there is contact going on at NFL practices. There were a lot of people out there in what I call the Corona Bro community who said, oh, there's no way for the NFL to play oh my God, what are these teams thinking, not being in a bubble, and the positivity that we are seeing in terms of the rate of all of these tests. Again, they have conducted over 58,000 player tests, and there hasn't been a single positive in the last eight days. Now, we are, if my math is correct, 16 days away from the start of the NFL season. It'll be two weeks from Thursday that we get the the Texans game against the Kansas City Chiefs with fans present in Kansas City as the Chiefs get to, in some level, celebrate their Super Bowl title uh, with their fans to start off the 2021 NFL season. Sorry, 2020 NFL season. You know, it's been a long year, and I'm like, I froze there for a minute. I'm like, wait a minute, what year is it? Uh, I can't remember the month, can't remember the year. It's taken a long time, the 2020 NFL season, which will end in 2021 at the Super Bowl, hopefully, in February. um, we uh, We are very close to having that season be underway. And again, the Corona Bro community is what I would say getting a standing eight count right now. They are being pummeled by science, by data, by facts, and all of their doom and gloom, all of their fear porn is blowing up in their face right now as the NFL, its players, its coaches, its executives are doing a phenomenal job of of preparing for the start to the season. Now, I'm sure there will be some positive tests at some point during the course of the season. I'm sure some teams will have challenges, but that standing alone is a really, really good sign as you look forward to the NFL season. And if you remember, on this program, we debated for months whether it was going to be possible to have an NFL season. And now we have moved on to not only are we having an NFL season, but many different NFL teams. I believe the Dolphins announced yesterday, along with the other NFL teams in the state of Florida, that they are planning to have fans present as well. And all of this is moving in a very, very positive direction. Speaking of Florida, it was uh, the ground zero for, oh my goodness, it's not safe to play sports for a significant period of time. And Florida now, in the most recent numbers, has fallen all the way to a roughly 5% positivity rate and that 5% positivity rate now has just over 2,000 new daily cases in the state of Florida. So many of the places where there was an outbreak of the coronavirus, those numbers are collapsing across the entire South and Southwest. Arizona, is uh, is down to almost nothing. I think they had 400 cases yesterday uh, in the entire state of Arizona. We had a, a 5% nationwide positivity rate on all of the tests that are being run across the entire nation, which is the goal At least what the White House said, the CDC said the goal was for a long time uh, that you want around 5% of cases to be positive to know that you're testing appropriately. Uh, That is happening now. So uh, all over the South, whether it's Florida, whether it's Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, Louisiana, Texas, all these states that had outbreaks, the outbreak is now over And they had a fraction of the death rate that came out of New York and New Jersey. Arizona, same thing is true. Uh, We are rapidly declining in terms of the overall number of cases, which makes the return of sports and the return of fans in the seats that much more likely. Now, other news that I thought was pretty fantastic. The College Football Playoff Committee announced that they will deliver the College Football Playoff Final Four on December 20th, we also got the AP Top 25 in terms of the uh, of the Top 25 teams, including all the teams, at least for now, in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that are not going to be allowed to play this fall. And that means that of the Top 25 preseason, nine of the teams came out of the Big Ten and out of the Pac-12. And I got to tell you, this, I believe, is going to go down as one of the worst decisions that was ever made in the history of sports uh, in the 21st century to cancel the fall seasons in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. I think the data reflects that this is not just a bad decision. I think it's going to be seen as a disastrous decision because I believe the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC are going to find a way to play The number of cases in all of their footprint states are declining in a hurry. And not only are they going to find a way to play, but the college football playoff committee is doing the season uh, totally in a normal fashion. They aren't changing anything at all. And by the way, we're talking about the impact on the college football season, but they're already focusing now on when are they going to start the college basketball season? And there's a hope to start it around Thanksgiving. So I don't know what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to do about the return of college basketball either. Are they going to allow their teams to start to play in around Thanksgiving with college basketball? If so, isn't that an implicit acknowledgement that their decision to cancel the season was the wrong one? Again, we are nine days from the start of the college football season. In fact, Dub looked this out up for me. I believe on this Saturday, we even have some FCS football. So I believe there is a college football game airing on television on Saturday, which is in the FCS. So we're really only like four or five days away from you being able to kick your feet up and watch a college football game now all over uh, much of this country we also have started back up college uh, I mean sorry high school football. And so if you look at the high school football rate in my hometown of uh, of the Nashville area, they are underway and by the way Austin P and Central Arkansas played this weekend uh, on the 29th so we will officially be underway with a college football game. Uh, I bet that Austin P. Central Arkansas game will be the most watched game uh, between uh, FCS opponents, maybe almost of all time, because there's such a a, a latent demand for football in this country, and we're not getting any NFL preseason or anything like that. A lot of you out there are probably like, man, I never thought that I would miss the NFL preseason. Uh, But that is where we are as we inch closer. Closer and closer to the start of the season. And then next week on Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, we have South Alabama at Southern Miss, which is the official start of the uh, the college football season. So we're just nine days away from college football actually kicking off. And again, I'm sure that we will have positive tests on some of these college football teams. I'm sure there will have to be some games that are altered or changed. But there was big news that came out yesterday that I thought would get way more attention than it did from the CDC. And the CDC basically came out and said, hey, by the way, you don't need to get tested anymore if you're asymptomatic and otherwise healthy, even if you've been exposed to someone who has this virus, uh, because it's just not that important. You're not under that high of a risk. Well, that could be significant in the world of sports as you look forward at all of the reasons why there is a great deal of positivity about the return of football and the return of sports in general. I said this uh, on my afternoon Periscope Facebook and YouTube show. And by the way, encourage you to go sign up for our YouTube channel. We have over 50,000 subscribers now on our YouTube OutKick channel. You just go search out OutKick. And I also want to thank you guys for, for signing up for the OutKick uh, podcast. We set a record, all-time record yesterday uh, for any month, and we still have a week of the month of August left. There's no telling what the final numbers are going to be this month, but we are blowing them out of the water. I thank all of you for the support that you are giving to OutKick on so many different levels, uh, including YouTube and obviously on the podcast. But on Friday... I took my kids to go see a movie we went to go watch uh, the Empire Strikes Back a lot of movie theaters around the country are opening back up and they are doing so with classic movies on so I went to go watch uh, Empire Strikes Back with my kids my 12 year old my nine year old my five year old on Saturday we went to a wedding and uh, it felt normal to be at that wedding and I talked to uh, to a listener. There were a bunch of listeners at that wedding who came up to me and talked. They listened to uh, the show on an Evansville, Indiana affiliate. And one of the guys who came up and talked to me was an AP history, uh, an AP government teacher uh, in uh, the, the, the area of northern Kentucky there. And he said, you know, the toughest thing about what's going on right now Is they're having to teach the kids remotely. And he said only around a third of his kids in his AP government and his AP history classes have reliable Wi Fi to be able to log on and keep up with his class. And I mean, that was just heartbreaking for me to hear. And I know it's emblematic of a larger issue across much of the country, but here you have kids who have done everything right. In what he said is a relatively poor and rural community. And they don't have access to the internet. These are kids who have worked their entire lives to be able to get into AP classes because they're hopeful that they're going to be able to get college credit by trying and challenging themselves to the utmost degree in their classrooms. And only a third of them are actually able to get on and see their classes on a daily basis and you think about that writ large across this entire country, the people who are struggling the most with the return to school are the people with the least resources. If you're wealthy enough to be able to afford some sort of tutoring or some sort of private instruction, you are very fortunate, and I don't blame you for doing that for your children. There's a huge percentage of kids out there that don't have access to reliable Wi-Fi, And so when you say to them, we're going to be uh, doing remote learning, what you're effectively telling them is you don't have the ability to get an education right now, all the way from March to now, we're talking about impacts for kids in their schooling that may, for many of them, never be overcome, that uh, those months without instruction are creating gaps that may never be overcome between rich and poor in this country. And so I'm fired up about this. I'm fortunate all three of my kids for the first time ever were at all day school together on Monday, my kindergartner, my fourth grader, and my seventh grader. First time that's ever happened, our house was super quiet. It was tough, but I was so excited to have them all three back in person for school but also, it was just—it's—it's uh, it's troubling to me to hear stories like that about kids who I believe should all be back in school. The data is clear, from kindergarten all the way through uh, through grad school, and kids who shouldn't just be back in school—they should be playing sports. I was listening to Nick Saban's press conference yesterday, where the University of Alabama got back in pads and started to hit a little bit, and he talked about the impact of football on the country and how it brought so many people together. And I think that's true to a large extent for fall sports in general. There are so many kids out there who their coach is their father figure, their mother figure, somebody out there who is able to help them aspire for something greater. And I'm just troubled by the idea that everybody isn't back to school already. 67,000 professionals, pediatricians, said kids need to be back in school. The CDC said kids need to be back in school. I'm fortunate my kids are back in school, but going to that wedding this weekend, returning in many ways to normalcy, at least in the state of Tennessee, with high school football all over the state on Friday, going to movies, sitting down with my kids. Thursday, we're going to go watch Ghostbusters, uh, and then going out and going to that wedding and talking to people face-to-face, I'm excited about the return of football. I gave you a lot of positive stats about the the NFL. Reasons why college football is going to be played. All those things are important, and I think they're important because they send the message to the entire country: we got to get back to normal. We got to get back to work. We got to get back to school. We got to get back to uh, to our kids playing sports all over this country. The data reflects that we have a clear choice: you can either listen to science, or you can embrace fear for the rest of your life. If you don't want to leave your house, that's your right. But we got to stop letting those people dictate what the rest of us do in this country. When we come back, we're going to be joined by my guy Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter, 94.5 Jocks down in Birmingham. If you love this show, I want to encourage you to go sign up for Outkick VIP. Make sure you don't miss a minute wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. You get access to our Outkick VIP phone line to get the ability uh, to – to also comment on all of our articles, and you get access to our VIP message board as well as exclusive Zoom calls with Jason Whitlock and myself. Plus, and this is pretty outstanding, I think, you get an autographed copy of my latest book. And yes, I am signing all of those books myself. We got thousands of them that are on their way out. I appreciate all of you. We had to go back to the publisher and get them to print thousands of more copies because so many of you are signing up for the OutKick VIP. I am Clay Travis. This is OutKick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
1: People at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto. Do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today, or visit them at o'reillyauto.com/two-pros. That's o'reillyauto.com/two-pros. L a s i k lasik.com.
2: Have you been thinking about LASIK, but not sure if you're a candidate?
1: TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be.
3: Uh LT, what's up, my man? Thanks for getting up early with us. Uh you're down in Birmingham at Jocks, big station 94.5 down in Birmingham. What are you feeling like uh in terms of optimism on the college football front? And also how important is it for so many people making a living for college football to be back in uh, in your state and in your city?
4: Well, you know, I I feel pretty good right now, Clay. I mean, it, it seems like yesterday was the first Monday we haven't had really anything negative going into the week. So, you know, I feel like uh, the SEC, the Big Twelve, and the ACC are pushing on right now. Um, you know, kind of a scary situation at NC State. But when you really start to look at these numbers, kind of like Alabama, and you know, and I want to get to a point that you asked me about businesses because I don't know if you've seen that the Tuscaloosa mayor has basically shut down every bar until September 8th, which is really interesting. But, you know, Alabama had 30,000 students and faculty and staff that were tested, and there were 531 confirmed positive tests. I mean, that's less than one and a half percent. You know, and I was just one of those when we we started all of this testing, the massive amount of testing. I just thought, you know, because this was a pretty contagious virus, that the number would be about 10 percent of people that tested positive. So, I I don't know about you, man. I mean, less than 2%, you know, in a lot of these places, less than 1%. I, I think you deem that as a positive, don't you?
3: Well, I think it's also not just who's testing positive. Sorry, not just the number. It's who's testing positive. And these are all college kids, many of whom would never know that they were positive at all, but for the fact that they're being tested, right? So, Um, I I think if you look at the numbers collapsing in Florida, Texas, Arizona, all the places that were otherwise in the midst of an outbreak, I think what we're starting to see is the same thing that happened in New York, where, and and this is uh, a lot of scientists, I would encourage you to go listen to to everybody out there who's listening to us right now that is curious about this. I think we had a nearly two-hour discussion. I'm going to play an excerpt from this this week at some point with a guy named Ovik Roy, who was incredibly, incredibly outstanding. Uh, he's an MIT and Yale medical graduate at breaking down all these numbers and why they matter and everything else. But the kids who are testing positive on college campuses are having less of an impact than they would if they had the flu. Most of them don't even know they have it. Some of them, the average person would experience it if they know they have it uh, as something like a minor cold. I mean... If anything, these are the people that we want to get sick because that's how you get herd immunity. And herd immunity, it now appears, we may only need like 20% exposure across the country, and we're close to that already in order for the benefits of herd immunity to start to set in. And I think personally, that's what happened in New York. I think that's what's happened in the Northeast and why many of those communities have maintained a low level of viral spread since then it's because they've already gotten a lot of people who were susceptible to this virus. They've already been exposed to it. And I think that's what will happen in short order on these college campuses. I think, LT, it's what happened with the university, you know, with Clemson, and with LSU, for instance. I think those teams had it run through them really quickly, and now they basically have herd immunity among the team.
4: Well, you know, one degree of separation I did hear from a major college coach that when students did come back, when players came back months ago, get them together as quickly as possible and (laughs) and basically – Create herd immunity. immunity.
3: Did you do chicken pox parties when you were a kid?
4: No, you know, and I I vaguely remember having the chicken pox back in the day. Yeah. Um, And it seemed like a bigger deal, I guess, when you were a kid. Well, look,
3: I mean, chicken pox is more dangerous for young kids than the coronavirus is. But my um, my parents, well, I was
4: I was told, hey, you need to get this early. I that's guess, right. Like
3: your parents were,
4: you know, you don't want to get this when you're older.
3: It's a now lot more deadly to you. Chicken pox is, and now we have a vaccine, thankfully. But it's a lot more deadly to you as an older person than it is as a younger person. And as so, in any
4: of these viruses,
3: yeah, a lot of them, yeah. And so, you ended up uh, we were exposed to it intentionally. And so, when I was a kid growing up in Nashville in the 1980s we had chicken pox parties, like somebody would get it. And then other kids would come over and play with those kids because it was highly contagious. And uh, your parents, at least back then wanted to make sure that you got it at age, you know, four or five, six years old, so that uh, you didn't get it when you were 25 or 30 or older. And, uh, and everybody got it at a young age and it was intentional. And so I think that probably I don't know that it was intentional, but I think it's, uh, it happened for a lot of college football teams, and I think those teams, like the Clemsons of the world and the LSUs of the world, are going to have a lot less significant issues throughout the season because they're going to be less likely to have outbreaks.
4: Well, I don't doubt that at all. But it is insane now that we've got, um, you know, major SEC cities shutting down bars. And, you know, the whole thing about that is it is it is the optics and it's, they want to get to college football. I mean, look, and I, I want college football played more than anyone, but I don't know if this is the right way to go about it. Um, you know, I don't know if you were watching the NBA playoffs and they've had this, uh, this campaign for this bar called Coogan's in New York City. And I've been to New York a bunch. I've never heard of Coogan's. But basically, Facebook has done this ad for smaller businesses that are really struggling during the pandemic, and they're barely able to keep their doors open. And a lot of places like Coogan's are going under. And I think, unfortunately, when you put these mandates that bars have got to close for, for multiple weeks because students are showing up, uh, ultimately, you know, these are going to be places that are going to be closing. and they're going to be going out of business.
3: Yeah, and look, I, I, I get it totally. I mean, look, I own a bar in downtown Nashville. Um, A part of one. And we haven't been able to be open for months. And that's on Broadway for people out there listening who know downtown Nashville. We're literally right on the main drag across from Tootsies in downtown Nashville. And uh, I think the mayor of Nashville has done a disastrous job, frankly, uh, trying to balance health and also the economy, which is what reasonably intelligent people need to be trying to do. You can't make a decision entirely based on the economy, and you can't make a decision entirely based on health. Reasonable people have to be able to balance competing interests. And I think there's a way to open back up many different businesses while also being healthy doing so. And I think that goes to the essence of what you're talking about uh, in, you know that they're dealing with right now in Tuscaloosa. But I think we well, still I mean, have like a 10 p.m. curfew basically for restaurants. In Nashville, which makes no sense. Maybe it's ten thirty now, uh, but I mean, you know, I've been out to. I'm going out to dinner tonight with Whitlock and a couple of other people involved in our business, um, and it doesn't really impact me because I get up so early in the morning. But it's for these restaurants. To me, it's kind of crazy. Like, hey, you're not allowed. You have to have everybody out basically right around ten o'clock, as if at eleven o'clock the virus is a vampire and it suddenly starts to become a lot right. more dangerous. I mean, it doesn't make any logical sense.
4: Well, you know, back to the decision that Tuscaloosa made to shut down these bars until September 8th yesterday, if you're sitting in that room, I mean, let's just use logic. Okay, so we're going to shut the bars down where students can't go to the bars, but your ABC package stores are remaining open. So what do you think the students are going to do now that they can't go to they're bars? They're going to
3: have well, private parties. I mean, it's, a, it's right. a, no doubt.
4: And they're going to be massive private parties. So these kids are going a go liquor, and then they're going to go back to these off-campus parties. And they're going to congregate even more. So, I mean, it's not like you're going to stop it. This is all about the PR and the optics. And, unfortunately, some pictures were taken outside of some of these bars in Tuscaloosa and in Auburn. And, you know, people are pointing fingers. uh, Look at these evil people. Look what they'll do just to play football. And so now politicians have gotten involved. And now, unfortunately, you know, a guy that's working a double um, to support his family is out of work.
3: Yeah yeah I look. I mean this has been my argument since March. I mean we shut down the nation without considering, I, I believe what the overall impact of that shutdown was going to be from an economic perspective. And I think you're finally starting to hear people talk about, hey, you know, maybe 40 million people losing their jobs also has some health consequences. Yeah, yeah, you think? Uh, All right, let's go to the actual on the field. The college football playoff announced that they will be meeting all the dates that they'll be meeting, and they'll be selecting a uh, four-team playoff on December 20th. If college football season happens, it's going to start. I don't think there's any doubt at this point that it's going to start. If the college football season happens – and if we get to the college football playoff, and I believe there's a good chance that we will if the, if the leaders of college football be steadfast, do the Pac-12 and the Big Ten commissioners ever recover from their decision to shut down the season if the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC all play? And not only do they play, they get to the college football playoff and crown a champion.
4: It's going to be tough. I mean, you look at maybe the most ridiculous poll of all time, the AP poll that was released yesterday. Nine teams are going to be one and done. I mean, we talked about this on the show yesterday. Ohio State's going to have the biggest fall in poll history, going from number two to completely out of the poll. Yep. Um, And You know, now I guess it's going to be a much easier decision for this committee because they've only got 76 teams to choose from. Yep. Uh but yeah, if you're able to play the entirety of a college football season and you just think about the massive amount of money that will be made for the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Twelve, um, it's it's gonna be a, a bad look for both the Pac twelve and the Big
3: Ten. Does this feel like a season where every coach, assuming he's not doing something, you know, nefarious with the coronavirus related issues, everybody survives to the next year? Because I don't when you, when you play 10 conference games like the ACC and the SEC are doing, and certainly when you when you play in an aberrational like environment where you're not going to have huge home field advantages and everything else, it feels like it's going to be hard to fire somebody coming out of a season like this.
4: No, I see your point. Um, I think it is going to be really difficult, but you know another thing that we did bring up and we do uh, our guaranteed Friday, we do three guarantees of the college football season and that's coming up this Friday. Well one of my guarantees is going to be in the SEC you're going to have two 0-10 teams. And that's going to be Arkansas that's going to face seven top 25 teams. It's it's the 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 most brutal
3: schedule of all time Arkansas has got.
4: It it is. And obviously, Sam Pittman in year one, he's going to be absolutely fine. But they're going to be underdogs in all seven – double-digit underdogs in all seven of those games. They're going to be underdogs in all ten of their games. I think they go 0-10. They've already lost 19 consecutive SEC games. So think about that, Arkansas and – Bobby Petrino back in 2011, in this decade, had they been a game away from playing possibly for a national championship. Now, there's a good chance they lose 29 consecutive conference games. But on the other side, right there in your city, yeah. Derek Mason is coming off a fresh 3-9. and He's got a new athletics director. If he is to go 0-10, and they're going to be underdogs in all 10 of their games because, unfortunately for Arkansas and Vanderbilt, they don't play each other. You know, 0-10 is going to be really difficult, in my opinion, for Vanderbilt, to, I mean, for Jerry Mason to survive that. Now, I could be completely wrong there, but I think there is a possibility 0-10 could get him run.
3: Yeah, you might be right, but I tend to think it's, it's, it's an interesting question. I tend to think it's going to be a pass-like season where nobody really wants to kind of bring the hammer down on anybody for a result. Uh, NFL, how crazily positive is it that they have had over 58,000 tests recently. I know they had 77 false positives, which is its own story that I think deserves to be investigated because how many other people out there have had false positives? But over 58,000 player tests, not one positive between August 12th and August 20th. That's pretty impressive for the NFL.
4: No, I think it's It's pretty awesome. And I think a lot of these players, it shows you they're taking it seriously. And I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks anymore. And the only reason I'm actually watching is because I'm a Rams fan. Um, and I hate that they're sharing this with the Chargers. But, you know, episode one, they'll be on episode three tonight, was all about COVID testing. And you've got guys, guys like Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the Chargers, that had it. And then Sean McVay just talked about you've got to be vigilant. You've got to be accountable for the guy next to you. And they keep pointing to the Marlins in that outbreak. And I think that outbreak, I think it did help because I think it really got people uh, aware of the situation. You know, one bad decision can lead to, you know, multiple cases. Um, So I think it's awesome the NFL has been able to keep these numbers down. And I think it shows you, man, the NFL's playing.
3: Oh, yeah. The NFL's playing. I don't think there's any doubt at all. And we're 16 days from the first game in the NFL between the Texans and the uh, Chiefs. How much NBA are you watching, and what did you think of Luka's performance?
4: Uh, Todd, I was talking to, uh, Danny G before I came on with you here. And, uh, you know, I'm a big Lakers guy as, as he is. And, um, I, you know, the bubble for me, I know the ratings are down, but you know, I've enjoyed it. Um, Luca had the discussion the other day. If you're taking one player right now, Giannis, you know, is it Giannis or Luca for like if the next 10 years or how long? Yeah. Yeah. mean, for, for, you know, if you're building a franchise right now for the next 10 to 15 years, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those guys. I think but, they're I the mean, two.
3: I think they're the only two that you could really legitimately consider if you're going for ten years.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. I think I lean Luca, and it's not just because I just saw that performance. Because you look at Giannis yesterday, thirty-one, fifteen, and eleven. Yeah. Um, and he is a seven-footer that can absolutely do everything. But Luka's a six-eight guy that can do absolutely everything, and his ability just to see the entire court and how much better he makes. His teammates, and just imagine when Giannis hits free agency, if he decides not to stay in Milwaukee, what if he goes to Dallas?
3: Oh, oh, that would be amazing to watch the two of them play. I, I would go Luca because he's four years younger. So if you're going for a decade, Luca is going to be 31 in a decade, which is still relatively young from a basketball perspective. Uh, and meanwhile, you would have Giannis who would be 35. So I think Luca, if you had to pick anybody right now in all of the NBA to start a team with for the next decade. I think Luka would have to be your guy. What do you think about the Lakers? Uh they're obviously I'd be stunned if they don't win game five and move on to the second round. Is it still, in your opinion, gonna come down to Lakers Clippers for the NBA finals?
4: Yeah, it probably should. You know, another thing that we talked about and, and this was brought up in the broadcast last night when the Lakers jumped up early in the first quarter, this looks like the Lakers pre bubble. And, you know, they had won eight of ten. They had just beaten the Clippers when everything was shut down and I said, you know, it just feels like this is going to be the year for LeBron and AD to get on the same page, and I think ultimately the Lakers are going to win this championship and they probably beat, beat the Bucks in the NBA Finals. And then, you know, we go on the hiatus and when we come back to the bubble, they just didn't look like the same team. And obviously, A.B. Bradley not coming back, Rondo not being healthy. They couldn't defend the three. They couldn't shoot the three. Last night, 17-39 behind the arc. Danny Green actually showed up last night. Um, you know, Kuzma was really good off the bench. You know, and I think it did help that you know Damian's not the same player right now with that dislocated left index. I don't that think Collins there's a,
3: out. I, I don't think there's any doubt at all. LT, appreciate it, my man. We'll talk to you uh, next week, hopefully. See you, Clay. When we come back, I'll bring in the crew. How optimistic are we about the NFL season? I'm super optimistic. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
1: People at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today, or visit them at o'reillyauto.com/two-pros. That's o'reillyauto.com/two-pros. L a s i k lasik.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to lasik.com/quiz and take our free candidacy quiz.
3: Is it over, Danny G? I mean, are we basically – I know we got the game tonight between the Clippers and the Mavs, but I would still be stunned if in the best of three that the uh, the the Mavs find a way to win. I think kind of the expectation of where we were going to end up is where we're going to end up. I think we're going to end up with uh, the the Bucks certainly in the Eastern Conference Finals. I could see it going either way in the uh, Celtics-Raptors series. Both those teams are playing really well. But I think it'll be Lakers, Clippers, and whoever wins that series going up against the Bucs. I I just don't see a lot of drama at this point.
0: Yeah, and really quick, we should shout out the Miami Heat as they advanced yesterday. They're looking really good, Jimmy Butler and company. As far as the Lakers, yeah, LT mentioned all the three-pointers they were hitting. And last Wednesday after game one, I mentioned to you that I really thought AD and LeBron needed to redeem themselves and go on a run to bounce back uh, similar to what Lillard did after he missed his free throws against the Clippers in the bubble. And when AD and LeBron missed those free throws, you know, in game one, late in game one, I thought, okay, well, they need to take it upon themselves to bounce back. And they obviously have. I mean, LeBron shot 83%. In under 30 minutes, he had 30 points. And AD has been off the charts these past few games. Yeah, it's looking really good for the Lakers right now. Even Laker fans, we thought it would take a few more games for them to get warmed up.
3: When we come back to the start of hour two, uh, I want to dive into the overall state of sports and where we are. There's so much positivity. I feel like sometimes it's getting rained on because it's easy for people in my industry of the media to share with you the worst thing that's going on in the world on any given day and uh, date and time. And a lot of the time, you miss out on the overall positive trend lines. And so when we come back, I mean, think about this. Major League Baseball is effectively back up and running everywhere. Uh, There have been relatively muted outbreaks since the Cardinals came back. Obviously, we had the Marlins outbreak to begin with. But we're approaching halfway, the halfway point in the Major League Baseball schedule and season. College football, I think, is becoming more and more increasingly likely. Uh, You've got the NFL that had over 58,000 tests, no positives. They're talking about ways to make the NCAA tournament happen. They're talking about when the NBA is going to come back for next season. The NHL is underway. We have never seen in August this jam-packed with sporting events. And everything is moving now in a very positive direction. And I think... If you just pay attention to sometimes social media, you only get swept up in the negative. When we come back, all the positives about the busiest month of sports for most of our lives, we're going to talk about it. I'll bring in the crew. This is OutKick. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a single minute. We've already set an all-time podcast download record. Blow it up to the highest possible level. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio.
2: XCOM.com slash compatibility.